Good morning. Good to see you all here today. Um, we live in a world where things change really quickly, don't we? And, uh, um, and by God's grace, we have, we have a church that we can pretty much communicate with and, and, uh, and kind of move with us. So uh, that, that, that is a blessing. And uh, if by chance you showed up today and you didn't know that masks are the, uh, the order of the day, please let make, find out if we did not, you're not on our, a couple people found out they're, they're not on our, our messaging and text thing. And, and we also have an email. So just make sure you're, you're, you're a part uh, a part of that. Um, but uh, God is good. We are called to worship. Uh, the, the psalmist says, the mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. We are called by the grace of God, and then we are here today by that same grace to worship him. Uh, so certainly let's uh, uh, do that well. Remember, though, and in the midst of all of that, we're still in sort of a no-seeing uh, kind of thing going on here right now. But uh, uh, we certainly would want you to meditate upon um, all that we're doing. So uh, this just in, people don't like wearing masks. Yeah, if you can tell by looking around, you were pretty empty here. Um, it's, a, it's a tough season to be making decisions uh, about the church and to know what are the proper decisions to be made. Uh, we definitely are committed to keeping our flock as safe as we can. Uh, those of you who are watching at home on video, uh, we completely understand why you're not here today, whether it be for fear of the rising numbers or just a desire to not wear a mask. What a weird time. We stand out front and one of the discussions we have is we feel like we're, we're living in another country. It's like, what kind of country? That we, we're all wearing masks and we can't touch each other's hands. And it's just a strange time and a strange place. Um, please be patient with the church as the church tries to figure out what it's supposed to be, how it's supposed to be in a time where uh, uh, we want to each have our own individual worship services with our unique, like we want to have contemporary, we want to have traditional. Some people don't want to wear masks. Some people do feel the need to wear masks. We're just going to make decisions on a week-by-week basis. And when we saw a 1,000 uptick on Thursday, uh, we had to make a decision ahead of time. That's the one we made. And uh, I still feel like it's probably the best decision, even though we have a really low numbers today. That being said, this is the day uh, that the Lord has made, and let's rejoice and be glad in it. I want to call you all to worship this morning uh, by inviting you to stand for the Apostles' Creed, where we will profess what it is we believe. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, we're going to have some lead worshipers come up, and they are going to sing kind of on our behalf today, and the rest of us are going to meditate all these joys in our heart. Good morning, Lakeside. If you would, just please reflect on these, these words as we sing them. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Yeah. 
The Apostle Peter writes, he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them... You may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we rejoice that we have come to know you because we have come to know Jesus. Forgive us that we take for granted the miracle that births faith in the heart of sinners. Indeed, the gospel alone is the power of God for salvation. And this power alone grants us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Father, forgive us our double-mindedness in our walk with you. Fix us firm in our faith, for we are easily swayed. How often we are but smoke and vapor in our resolutions. We are self-willed and do not live in our holy calling, to glorify you and enjoy you forever. Forgive us this day the sin of joining our proven faith, that which is more precious than gold, with the passing purposes and agendas of those who hate you. Make us discerning and courageous in all things. Help us to love our enemies in all ways. Grace us to trust you at all times. Triumph, God, make repentance the pattern of our lives, conviction, confession, and cleansing. Show us our odious sin, melt our hearts by your merciful majesty, draw us to Christ as our only hope in our ruined state. Lord, we thank you that even as Peter says, we have become partakers of the divine nature, even escaping the corruption that is in the world by godless desire. Let us understand this in our hearts. Let us treasure it. Let us live it. Father, all that we have is yours through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless our tithes and our offerings for the expansion of your gospel and the kingdom it proclaims. We ask this in all things, in the name of Jesus, the grace and the peace of God, praying as he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At your name. 
and shake and crumble at your name the oceans roar and tumble at your name angels will bow Next week, uh, my family is going to be growing a little bit as, uh, as Cammie and I have plans to adopt a six-week-old puppy, that is. Um, and she told me that I did that joke in the first service where I kind of paused on the adopt, and she said, please don't do that again. Um, and so as you might have guessed, much conversation in our house has been had in the last few weeks about what we're going to name said puppy. And... Uh, I think we've come up with a name. We're going we're gonna to hold it back for the time being. At the same time in our church, we have quite a few expectant mothers in our community right now. I don't know if you all realize how many, how many moms we have that, that, are, that are about to have uh, baby boys, especially. It seems like we have a lot of baby boys that are going to be on the way. So everything's going to be broken around here really soon. And, and I'm sure that those families have also been spending a lot of time talking about 
baby names, right? Thinking uh, maybe about old family names that they might want to name their kids. We always had like a middle name that we passed down in our family. I know a lot of families do that. Like everyone comes up with their own name, but you, you get your uncle's and his uncle's family name. A lot of people do that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who went online on the internet to kind of find out what are the top trending names of 2020. And, uh, and then you played that game with your spouse, like, how's someone going to pick on him if we give him this name? You kind of run through the possible nicknames that they're going to get. You don't want that name because that's, that's going to get him really bullied. But one thing is for sure, and that is that parents name their babies, right? People, I mean, we don't name ourselves. That's not our culture. And can you imagine how awful our names would be if we all got to name ourselves? Or was it the uh, uh, Adam Sandler movie, Big Daddy, where he let his son name himself? He says, you can pick your name. What do you want to be in his son name? He says, I want to be Frankenstein, right? I mean, that's the kind of names we would come up with if we all got to name ourselves, especially early on in our lives. There'd be a lot more name changes. Uh, when we name our kids, that naming is, is an act of authority. It's kind of the first act of authority that we have in the life of our children. And I can remember holding my kids in my arms when they were first born. And I can remember calling them for the first time by their names and telling them that, that I'm their daddy. And it was, it was kind of the first act of authority that I exercised over those children. The remarkable thing about God is that no one named God. Now, from time to time, people will try to give God a name or a false name, but no one tells God who he is. God ultimately tells us who he is. And this is the sign of God's ultimate authority, that he reveals uh, to us his name. And even though no one named God, God does have a name. And the third commandment, the one in which we are studying today, defends God's great name. It's found in Exodus 20, verse 7. And it reads like this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And I want uh, to suggest to you today that we, ha- that we have a very small concept of what it means to take the name of the Lord in vain. That it's actually a much bigger issue than we're aware of a lot of times. And I want to talk through that and show you some of that, uh, that, that larger concept of taking the Lord's name in vain. But before we do so, I want to read together. Uh, it's going to be kind of our tradition here as we teach through the Ten Commandments. That, that once a week we're just going to read together through the Ten Commandments. And we're going to stand as we do that together. So I want to invite you who are able to stand for the reading of the Ten Commandments. It's found in Exodus 20, uh, verses 1 through 17. And before we read, let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we do come uh, to your law, knowing that it's revealed to show us about your character, to show us what pleases you, to remind us that we cannot fulfill it and that we need Jesus. God, I pray that you quicken our hearts, convict us of our sin as we read your holy word. We pray this in Jesus' name. The church said, amen. Now hear now the word of the Lord. Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it. You should not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, 
You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Church, the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Remember the story of the burning bush? Moses asks God for his name, and out of a great love for his people, God tells Moses his name. God says to Moses, I am who I am. The name that God revealed to Moses was his personal name, the name Yahweh. Sometimes referred to as the Tetragrammaton, because in Hebrew, God's name consists of four letters. Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, Yahweh. Yahweh literally means I am who I am. So the third commandment is about God's name. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Maybe the thinnest way that we could read this is don't take the name Yahweh in vain. And that's kind of the way that the Jews tended to read this third commandment. They would avoid the use of the, of the tetragrammaton altogether. Uh, they wouldn't speak the name Yahweh. They wouldn't write the, the name Yahweh for fear that they might accidentally take the name of the Lord in vain. So instead of, of, of saying Yahweh, they would say Adonai, which is another word for Lord. And when they would translate, they would just tr- simply translate that as Lord. And maybe one of the verses that attributed to them just kind of taking this so seriously and having such real respect and fear for this came from Leviticus 24.16. This is what it says in Leviticus 24.16. It says, whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, uh, the sojourner as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. So, I mean, imagine if you will... Uh, if, you know, you're out there, maybe you're using the name of Yahweh in a proper way. Maybe you're being respectful. You're saying, I love you, Lord. And, but someone hears you and they think it's, they think you're saying it in a bad way. And all of a sudden they're wanting to stone you. Imagine a world in which you misuse the name of God and the church throws rocks at you until you die. I, I think I'd phase that word out of my vocabulary too. And, and, and while I think this is, this is one way to understand the third commandment, that it's about the way in which we speak God's name. Are we, do we respectfully speak God's name? And I think most of us kind of grew up with this understanding of this commandment, that the, the, the commandment to not take, up the, or take the Lord's name in vain was a commandment to not speak the Lord's name in a way that is shallow or vain or, or whatever. And, and generally it has to do with you know, a few of those uh, famous phrases that we avoid. Uh, for us, it was about seeing that, that not just Yahweh was respected, but also for most Christians, it was the name of Jesus. It, it was the title God. It was, it was the title Lord. And, and so when we would hear these people in our community with these three or four or five kind of English sayings that people would say when they stumped their toe, they would say, GD. Or, or maybe they would say the name of Jesus Christ in frustration, you know, in, 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 or in surprise, they would say the name of Jesus Christ. Or, or maybe they would say, oh my God. And all these became these terms, and they were cheap, and they were empty ways to use the Lord's name in vain. And so we, we thought we were being very clever and we started, instead of saying, oh, my God, we'd say, oh, my gosh, right? And, and then, and then we'd, instead of saying, Jesus, we'd say, geez. Now we had these other ways in which we kind of just, we, we would turn them just a little bit, and apparently it would become okay. And you're probably like me if I had to guess. These words, these phrases that, of, of using the Lord's name in vain, they tend to bother me when people say them more than other bad words. Like, you know, like I don't like being around somebody who's got a, a potty mouth when they're, when, you know, dropping uh, four-letter words all the time. But, but it really bothers me even more when they take the Lord's name in vain because I tend to get defensive of God's glory. Like, I don't want them to take something that should uh, be, be spoken of in the heavenly and kind of put it down and make it just dirty and ordinary. I don't want Jesus' name to be something that people say 
when they get angry or when they get shocked. The name of Jesus is to be sacred. It's, it's as sacred as that name Yahweh. And the reason I would say that is I look at what Paul said in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And he talks about God giving Jesus a name. And he says this, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. God's highly exalted Jesus. And he's bestowed on Jesus the name that is above every name. So that at the name Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's, it's actually God, it's Yahweh himself as the Father who has elevated Jesus' name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. And here's my point. I think we take this commandment lightly. I, I just think it's our nature. I don't, I don't think we think it's that big a deal. Like I think we think of like murder is here, and like taking the name of the Lord in vain is down here. Like if we were to kind of rate how bad we think things are, we're not really outraged by OMGs and GDs and all this stuff. It, it just kind of, maybe it bothers us, but we're not outraged. We don't think it's a big deal. But I would say this, listen, it's big enough deal that it made the top 10 commandments. In fact, it made the top three commandments. And it was important enough to Jesus that when he decided to teach his disciples how to pray, the first thing that Jesus taught them how to say was, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or may your name be holy. There is something to this. How serious should the church, how serious should we take the holiness of God's name? Um, How serious should we take the second half of that commandment, which God says, he kind of gives a curse along with it. It says, The Lord will not hold blameless the one who takes the Lord's name in vain. It's important to not take God's name in vain. And I think we ought to watch our mouths. But I think that there is more to this commandment than just speaking the names of God ill. And I think it's actually larger than that. I want to explore two words that make up this commandment. And the first word that I want to explore is the word take Uh, It it says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. And I think when we translate this for ourselves in our heads, we we most often translate it as use. So in other words, I think a lot of us go, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. I think that's how we make that translation. Uh, But the Hebrew word is actually nasah. Uh, which does have a, it does have a translation option that, that is to lift up, all right? So, so we say, don't, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Part of it is, is to lift up. Part of the translation of that word would be to bear or to carry. Or, uh, to, so, so to bear or to carry the, the, the name of the Lord, to take it upon ourselves. And, and when you read it like this, it seems to be more than just an idea to use or to speak that name in vain, it seems to be suggesting something more. And the second word that, that I want to talk about here is the word vain. What, is it, what does that word vain mean? Um, the Hebrew word is lashav, okay? And it, it kind of can be translated in two ways, the word vain there, lashav. It can be translated as, as emptiness without value, worthless, that kind of feel to it. Like it, so, so the idea was, don't take the name of the Lord and bear it in a worthless way. Don't take the name of the Lord and, and, and carry it in a way that's empty. So think about it like that. Um, and there's a, if we translate it like that, bearing the name of the Lord in a way that's empty, there's a real hypocrisy kind of feel to that kind of translation. And it's a sense like this. If you're going to take up the name of Jesus... If you're going to bear up or lift up his name, uh, don't do it in a way that's empty or worthless. Doesn't that feel like hypocrisy? Someone says, hey, listen, I'm a Christian. I take up the name of Jesus upon me, but it means nothing. It's empty. It's vain. That's also taking up the name of the Lord in a way that's vain. And here's the Old Testament context, if you will. God had just freed the Israelites. God has said in Exodus 19, listen, I've delivered you from Egypt. I've borne you on eagle's wings. Obey my voice. Keep my covenant. 
and you shall be my treasured possession. And he says, I'm calling you to be a kingdom of priests. And then he gives this commandment. He says, but don't take up my name in a way that's worthless. Can you see that this might be deeper than just avoiding those four or five phrases that we say when we stub our toes? I want to suggest a few other ways that we take the name of the Lord in vain. The first has to do with that Hebrew word, lashav, or the Hebrew word that we translate as vain or empty or worthless. Lashav has this other meaning, and it, interestingly enough, it's related to sorcery. And I find that you wouldn't think it'd be related to sorcery. But, but on, so one translation is this empty, worthless, and the other one has to do with sorcery. And, and I think the idea is, is this, uh, that worthless, empty use of God's power and authority is actually divination. In other in the sense, it's like when, when you're practicing sorcery, you're trying to take God's name or his authority and practice it in a very empty way, right? So let me give you an example from Scripture to illustrate what I'm talking about. Have you ever heard of the sons of Sceva? It's an interesting story. The apostle Paul's on his first uh, uh, missionary journey through Ephesus, and those of us who have read the book of Acts know that, that the Holy Spirit was really active at this time. He was very busy, and it makes sense. God is trying to give testimony to what he's doing in building his church, and the Holy Spirit is there uh, to be someone who testifies to what's happening. So it's very, very active Holy Spirit. Paul is preaching, and as he's preaching, lives are just being changed left and right, and people are being healed left and right. And uh, so many miracles are happening uh, that, that people are actually hanging around Paul, and they're watching him. And, and, and if, uh, if someone was to touch him with a handkerchief, a handkerchief was to go past him, they would collect that handkerchief, and they would go to people who were sick, and they would, I guess, lay that handkerchief on the sick people. And apparently the Spirit of God was healing those people. And it, it talks about handkerchiefs, and it talks about aprons that way. I don't know what kind of aprons they were wearing, but, but if an apron or a handkerchief was to touch Paul, they would take it and it would heal somebody. And there were these, these guys that were watching Paul. These guys were kind of mystics. They were, they were, they were Jews. And, and what they always noticed about Paul is that when he was performing these miracles, he would always perform them in the name of Jesus. Everything Paul did, he did in the name of Jesus. So when he baptized, he baptized in Jesus' name. When he healed, he healed in Jesus' name. When he preached, he preached in Jesus' name. Everything in Jesus' name. And eventually these guys who were watching Paul figured out that there was something powerful about the name of Jesus. And they thought to themselves, well, if Paul can use it, why can't we begin to use the name of Jesus? And now, now listen, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't follow Jesus but they might be able to harness the power of Jesus, they thought, for their own miracles. And this is an empty, vain use of the name of God, of the name of Jesus. Uh, and, and here's where the concept of sorcery comes in. So let's read together from Acts 19, uh, 13 through 16, uh, and, and we're going to read where this story happens. Ready? It says this, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, these are the people that have been watching him, seeing him use the name of Jesus. These guys undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So, so they're trying to exercise evil spirits out of people by the name of Jesus, not because they know Jesus, but because they, from afar, stood back and said, hey, the, power, the, the name of Jesus has this effect on people. And uh, they invoked the name of Jesus over, had these, over these evil spirits saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirits answered them. And this is what the evil spirits said. They said, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? <laughs> That's what they say back to him. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now, I'm not exactly sure what happened in that house. But I'm glad I, it didn't happen to me. It doesn't sound like much fun at all to go in there and try to cast out some sort of a demon in Jesus' name and find yourself running out of the house beat up and naked. That, that is a bad day. This is another way to understand uh, the third commandment, to don't use the Lord's name in vain. It, it's kind of this empty sorcery. And, and it may not be the sorcery that we think about on Disney movies or we think about on TV shows, but it is the kind of sorcery that the Bible talks about, which is attributing God's name and his power and trying to, to, to make use of this for really empty and vain things. Um, 
I, I bet if I asked you, uh, I'm sure none of you think you're guilty of sorcery. I'm sure none of us thinks that that's something we do. None of us thinks that we would use the Lord's name for stuff like that. Uh, we think we love God, and therefore uh, we as children of God have the authority to, to use his name however we want. And I've heard bad preachers suggest as much that you could use God's name and his power for whatever you want. But that's just not the case. i just got to be honest with you. You are not authorized to use God's name however you want to. Yet some Christians will use God's name uh, like a tool, just like the sons of, of Sceva who try to get what they want. Here's, here's what that looks like. Here's, here's what it would look like to use God's name to get what you want as a Christian. Um, some Christians might say this, the Lord told me to do this, dot, 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 dot. Or they might come up to you and they would say, the Lord told me to tell you to do this. Have you ever experienced this? Um, I think we all know the God told me to Christian. I think we've all met the God told me to person. Um, I remember I was dating a young lady in high school and uh, into our first year of college and, and I was smitten over her and, and I really thought she was great and she was completely over me. She was done with me. And she decided that she needed to break up with me. So she sat me down one day to tell me that the Lord had told her that we were to stop dating. And, uh, and I was heartbroken. But I, my course of action at that moment seemed very obvious to me. I knew exactly what I needed to say in response. I looked her dead in the eye and I told her, well, the Lord has told me that we don't need to break up. You see how this game works. And, and that's crazy talk. And, and that's taking the Lord's name in vain. What I did there was taking the Lord's name in vain. And, and, and what she did there was taking the, the Lord's name in vain as well. It was false prophecy. And listen, uh, with my wife sitting here in the front row, I've just got to say I'm really glad all that went down that way. I'm really glad that happened. Very pleased to be married uh, to my wife. But that, that action was very highly immature on, on both of our parts to, to invoke God's name in our own agenda. And there's a sense in which when, when you do this, you, you, you may even be being led by the Spirit. You may have a conviction, but you are taking your own personal convictions in a sense and you're forging God's signature onto them, right? You're using his name in vain. About six years ago, I was serving on a search committee to hire a new youth director at a different church. And uh, we interviewed several candidates and we, we kind of did what we would do here is if we were looking for a new youth director, you, you bring together a bunch of different people with, with, with elders and, and a bunch of people who have kids in the youth group. You form a committee. And one of the women on the search committee became really fond of one of the candidates. She really wanted to see him hired as, he, as a youth director. And I think she looked around the room and recognized that no one else was really big on the same person she wanted to see hired to be this youth director. And uh, she could tell they weren't in line with her thinking. So she went home and she wrote an email to the entire committee in which she said, and I quote, God has told me that this is the guy that we need to hire. And how do you have any further conversation after that? I mean, if God has really said that, who can disagree with you without disagreeing with God? I guess it's really the perfect trump card. And I guess you could win any argument by saying, the Lord has told me so. Uh, I must start trying this at home with Cammie. It says, it's your turn to do the dishes, thus saith the Lord. You know, we're just going to always be able to kind of get her, win all my arguments by saying, God has told me so. Christians, um, I, I got to tell you, um, the Spirit will speak to you. At times, the Spirit will lead you at times. But God has already said all He needs to say by His Word. And His Spirit will speak to you through convictions. You're, you're going to be convicted of your sins. You're going to be felt like God's pulling you away from, from wrong actions. And you're going to feel like the, the Spirit is leading you towards the Scriptures, leading you towards Jesus and your dependence upon Him. You're going to feel the Spirit counseling your soul towards righteousness. But this leading of the Spirit is not, however, the authoritative word of God. There, there is a difference. And Christians should not claim to hear God's speaking to them in his authoritative word of God, telling them to do this or telling them to do that apart from the word of God. Right? I mean, it's one thing to have the Spirit convicting you to do something, to go to the word of God and to find where the word of God says, thou shalt not sin, and to say out loud, God has told me thou shalt not sin. Of course he has, by his word. 
Right? I mean, that's one thing. That, that's a very true way to say God has told me something. But it's completely something different for you to say, go up to somebody and say, God has told me to quit your, that you are to quit your job and to go be a missionary. Even if, you, even if you think that'd be great for the kingdom, you are taking the Lord's name in vain when you do that. And it's borderline divination. It's one thing to say, I feel really convicted to pray for you. It's another thing to say, God told me to pray for you. One last point. It's possible to take the name of the Lord in vain simply by quoting Scripture. And probably some of you are like, what? What in the world? What are you talking about? What do you mean quoting scriptures, taking the name of the Lord in vain? Well, um, think about what happened when Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. How did he do it? He was taking the very word of God out of context. Uh, He was trying to use God's name and he was trying to use Yahweh's authority to manipulate Jesus to do something that wasn't part of God's will. And and in doing this, he was uh, taking the Lord's name in vain, using God's authority as a tool for his own agenda. Satan told Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot upon a stone. He's just quoting scripture, right? Like when we use scripture to either defend our sin or defend someone else's sin or or when we use scripture to attack the glory of God or even to diminish the worth of someone who's being made in the image of God and we do that we're taking up the name of God and his authority in a way that's very empty and worthless so let me just say this and as we kind of find a place to land here that, that, that that's a lot it's a lot of different ways to take the, the name of the Lord in vain my goal here was to illustrate that the Lord's that taking the Lord's name in vain is more than just these famous three or four things that we try to avoid saying when we stub our toe. Uh, but make no mistake, GD, OMG, the name of Jesus Christ spoken in, in frustration, uh, we shouldn't say these things because they too are taking the Lord's name in vain. They shouldn't be spoken in anger to one another. They shouldn't be a profanity. They shouldn't be the punchline of a joke. But the third commandment is also more than that. It's about your hypocrisy. If you take the name of the Lord and you carry it with you and you bear the name of Jesus Christ and you say to people, I'm a Christian, but it means nothing for you. If it's just the act of taking Jesus' name for you and it's empty and it's worthless and you're not fighting your own sin and you're not loving God and your heart's not broken for what breaks his, then you've taken up the name of God in a way It's very empty. That's a very reasonable translation of the third commandment. If you use the name of God like a tool to give you power, like the sons of Sceva did in the book of Acts, you're also breaking the third commandment. If you go around telling people, God told me to do this, or God told me to tell you to do this, you're forging God's signature onto your own convictions, and that's taking God's name in a very empty way. And worthless way. And this isn't even an exhaustive list of ways to break the third commandment. There's, there's other ways people can break the third commandment. And really, we're very creative rule breakers. Uh, and I'd actually be shocked if, if all of us had not broken the third commandment regularly. We teach the law of God, these commandments here, in its fullness. Not because the law of God is our hope. Because, uh, but rather because the world is full of people who think that they are not rule breakers. You understand this, that we, we, have, a, we have a world full of people who don't think that they're sinners. Uh, they think that you're good and I'm good and our hearts are all good. And because we're all good, why would we ever need forgiveness? And God gives us his rules that when we apply them to our lives, we go, man, I really am not good. I really am a rule breaker. And what I hope we all saw today is that we're all guilty of breaking the third commandment. We all need the grace of Jesus. The law shows us clearly that we all need God's forgiveness and that forgiveness only comes through repentance and trusting in the name of Jesus. And so I invite you today to take up the name of Jesus, to bear it, as as Scripture talked about today, in a way that is not worthless, in a way that is not empty, 
a way that's not vain, but in a way that's reverent, in a way that's repentant, in a way that is sincere. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this in the first service. There is a way in which we could come even to a worship service, and a way in which we could approach music, and a way in which we could approach the things that we do here. And the name of Jesus could be being lifted up in song up on stage here. And we could sit out in the, in the pews and we could be relatively unimpressed by the name of Jesus being lifted up. We could be really relatively unimpressed with the level of musicianship or the level of song or the instruments that we use or whatever. We could just be really unimpressed. And it, it could be in our hearts that the lifting of the name of Jesus is a very empty, worthless thing for us. And that would be breaking the third commandment. I really want to encourage you, even though we can't sing today, that as this last song is, is sung, it, it, it's really a, a traditional piece, that, that you would ponder it in your heart, you would take upon you the weight of the name of Jesus. I'm going to say a prayer as the band comes forward to sing for us once more. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the mercy of revealing to us your name, Yahweh. You are the God that is the great I am. And Jesus comes and he too says that he is the great I am. Paul reveals to us, God, how you have given Jesus a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. It's instructive. Your, your, your scripture is telling us how we should respond to the name of Jesus. And so as we come to worship today, God, may our knees bow, may our tongues confess that Christ is Lord, Yahweh, that you are creator, that God three in one is worthy of all of our praise and, and his name shall be made holy. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and the church said, amen. our takeaway today? Our takeaway is this, that I can still see you sleeping with your masks on. God's, uh, God's name is something that should be honored and treasured. 
Jesus taught us when we pray that his name should be hallowed. And we should avoid using those phrases, especially as Christians uh, that we know where we use Jesus' name in a way that's, that's really vulgar, where, where we talk about the name of God in a way that is not righteous. But it's more than that. And I hope you saw that today. You saw that, that, that when we take up the name of Jesus upon ourselves and when we bear it, we become Christians and that's an empty thing, that in itself is taking the Lord's name in vain. And when we claim that God has spoken to us in a very direct words and we put that onto other people or we make claims, we actually forge God's signature on our own values and our own ideas that that too can be taking the Lord's name in vain. And even when we read Scripture in a way that's out of context and we manipulate that to further our own goals, that in itself is taking God's authority and using his, his mighty name and his mighty authority in vain. We have to be careful of all these because these are ways to break the third commandment. Church, we have been the church gathered. Go and be the church scattered. And as you do, take with you the love of God, the grace of Christ Jesus' Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Please watch uh, your, your messages from the church. We're going to be responding as best we can to the, to the happenings and the times. I hate wearing masks more than you. I guarantee it. Uh, it it's awful. Uh, but we'll make the decisions we need to to keep everybody safe. Uh, go now and be blessed in the name of the Lord. We're going to hear the band sing one more time. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is He. Bow down before Him, love and adore Him. Excited. It was wonderful to worship with you today. Until next time, God bless.